Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi fantasy and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Almost Human, episodes two and three. Why did they peel the skin off? Well, they obviously didn't want us to see that either. Wait a minute. The surveillance footage at the hotel, their hands left traces of human DNA. You think they're abducting the girls to harvest their skin? If you used human skin, you'd make the best sex machines on the market. I think Sebastian found out about it. That's why they killed him. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast that, that travels to the future through television past. I'm Luke. Ooh, that's a real uh, head-scratcher. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? I'm still trying to figure out what that means. What was it again? Say it again. Uh, I kind of just threw it off the top of my head. Let me see what I got. <laughs> I think I, we know we travel to the past through the future. Is that it? We travel to the future through television's past. There we go. No, no, I, I like that. That's pretty good. Great. I came up with it on the spot. I'll never remember it again. I would give you an A plus on that. And three, three bravas. Bravas. Wow. You don't get yeah. many of those these days. No, it's true. All right, Jordan, what do you got for us? Well, you know, we've gone through all these shows, you know, up to this point, And uh, usually at some point we talk about the cast and some credits that they have after the show we watch, generally because the shows we've been watching are a little bit old. But I thought we'd do something slightly different on this because this show, when did it come out? 2013? Yeah, 2013, 2014. It's only been a few years and, you know, there hasn't been that much happening since then. So what I thought I would do is I took the top six cast and I picked a credit from each of their, I guess their, what, one credit from each of them. And I thought I would have you see if you could guess who did what. Oh, I like this. So there's six actors and six credits. So you have to try to match the actor with the credit. Okay. I'll give you the actors ahead of time. So you have to, uh, so you remember who they all are. Okay. So obviously our star of the show, Carl Urban. Of course. You got Michael Ealy. All right. Okay. You got Mackenzie Crook. Right. Lily Taylor. Of course. Michael Irby and Minka Kelly. Those, those are your top six credited actors on this show. Sorry. Go back. Who is, who is Michael Kirby? Michael Irby is, he plays the other, that detective who at this point is just kind of like kind of grumpy all the time. Uh, right, right, right. Detective Richard Paul. Right. Yeah. All right. Give it to me. So the first one is this person played the role of ZZ in Fast Five. Okay. The next one, this person played Ferris in The Sex Lives of the Potato Men. Okay. <laughs> I picked that credit just because I like the title. That's a great title. Right. This next one is the first of two music videos I chose. This person played love interest in the Maroon 5 music video, One More Night. Uh, The next credit is, this person played Julius Caesar in both Hercules the Legendary Journeys and Xena Warrior Princess. Okay. And this person was in a, this is the second music video, a Mariah Carey music video, weirdly also playing the role of love interest. Um, And it was the music video, Get Your Number featuring Jermaine Dupree. Okay. The last one is this person played the character Marty Glenn in one episode of The X-Files. Man, we've already made a mistake because I'm not going to remember all of this, but let's let's go through it. I'm going to go through the ones I remember and I try to attach them. Okay. Xena uh, and Hercules? Mm-hmm. Carl Urban. Okay. Do you want to know if you're right or not? No, you can tell me afterward. Okay. Um, what was the first music video? First music video was Maroon 5's One More Night. That's got to be Detective Stahl, uh, Minka Kelly. Okay. Minka Kelly? Something like that. Yeah, sure. No one cares. 
Mariah Carey music video. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Dorian. What's his name? Ely. Okay. Uh, an X-Files episode. Yeah. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Detective Paul, whatever that character's name is or actor's name is. Oh, Michael Irby. Sure. Michael Irby. Yep. ZZ in Fast and the Furious. Oh yeah, ZZ, yeah. I'm going to go with, this is where it's getting tougher, but I think I'm going to go with. And you should get these right because we were, we were just talking about these movies last night. Lily Taylor. And finally, uh, Sex Lives of the Potato Men. That's right. I can't believe you remembered all these. That, that's correct. Yes. Mackenzie Crook. Okay. So do you want to know your score? Yes. Your score is four of six. Oh, wow. I didn't do too badly. Yeah. The only ones you got wrong were... So you're correct for... I will go through these. So you were correct. Carl Urban did play uh, Julius Caesar in both Hercules and Xena. Also weirdly played Cupid in both shows. Oh, interesting. There you go. I don't know. A little diaper and a, and, a, and a bow. Yeah. It was Michael Ely in the Mariah Carey uh, music video. Great. That's, of course, Kenix. It was also uh, Mackenzie Crook in the Potato Men movie. I don't know why I knew that, but for some reason, I just felt right for Mackenzie Crook, who, by the way, if everyone, anyone is not sure who that is, he plays Rudy, the computer tech. Right. And the one you also got correct was Minka Kelly in Maroon 5 music video. That was correct. The ones you got wrong were you actually just switched it. Uh, Michael Irby was it playing ZZ in Fast Five. And Lily, and, and it was a little bit of a trick I put there because Lily Taylor played Marty Glenn in X-Files. Marty being, I guess, a uh, a name that both male and female is going to have. It's funny because I went with the other guy for the X-Files because I was like, maybe since this show shot in Vancouver, maybe he's a Vancouver actor. Ah, right. Anyways, I thought that was something a little different. What do we think? Is that, is that, is that worth going on for next show? That was a lot of fun. I liked it a lot. And uh, I liked it a lot because I got four out of six. Yeah, you did well. What is that, 80%? I don't know. I can't math. A little less than 80, I think. Pretty good Someone still. do the math in your head. I think it's 70-something. <laughs> good segment though i really liked that that was fun thanks that's it for that and then we're on to uh these two episodes which are which aired as episodes two and three yeah episodes two and three but i guess in the series creators version these would have been four and five and six five and six mm-hmm. but anyway who's keeping count i don't know if it really matters does it? At, th- at this point like i don't know if the uh um the serialized story is so effective that you know it matters what episodes these air in i don't know yeah not specifically but I thought with how upset people were about it, at least what I've been reading online, I thought it was going to be uh, much more uh, distracting. I mean, it's one of those things when you know it, you you kind of notice the serialization, but it's not like so integral to the plots. I would wonder if, particularly in this episode, because one of them very specifically kind of finally locks in, I think, the partnership between Dorian and uh, Kenix, that if you were to jump back to it and they're like, I don't like this robot, it'd be kind of, it'd be a little jarring because you're like, I thought you liked each other now. Right, right. Fair enough. I mean, and I only say that because that's what I remember when I originally watched the show. Mm. Okay. Anyways, as you were, what's the, what was the, the first episode about? Episode five slash episode two. Here is the IMDb summary for episode two. Skin. In night two of the series premiere, Detective John Kennix and Dorian are dispatched to investigate a murder and high-profile missing persons case that lead them into the highly profitable world of IRCs, Intimate Robot Companions, also known as sex bots. Meanwhile, (laughs) Kennix looks to reconcile a part of his troubled past. That was courtesy of Anonymous. There's a couple things about this. One, this is like the same plot. Well, not really, but... It's got a lot of the same tropes as that uh, tech war episode about also about sex robots. People are obsessed with the ideas that the idea that once we get robots, 
as essentially fully functional sort of um, androids that people are going to be having sex with them. I mean, which I mean is probably true. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, it's just it just seems like there's this uh, sort of uh, wave of ickiness through all. I always feel when I when I see these kind of episodes. You don't want to think what people are doing with things. It's not only that. It's I mean, well, I'll mention this real quick, but we're gonna go through it. <laughs> this has a thing that anytime you see it in science fiction, there's like a sex robot or something. They always portray men as being unable to control themselves around these robots, as if the idea of no strings attached sex is so overwhelming for men that they just they act like like buffoons like at all the time and it's just it happens like several times in this episode too like i'm really nervous because they might have sex with me and it's like oh guys this is so stupid <laughs> i mean anyway you're not wrong right i'm not wrong anyways <laughs> so the plot of this episode kind of kicks off with uh this bankrupt and disgraced sex bot designer sebastian jones he's in a hotel room and he's he's running these tests on a, a sex bot he's hired she looks like she's on tech like from tech war yeah <laughs> that's what i thought that's my note i'm like is she on tech i i have i've decided in my head this is the same universe that's why well i guess the sex bots are a little bit detached like they're not quite as self-aware as dorian they're kind of they're almost as as like alive as dorian but they're kind of almost more like they're from a holodeck or something they don't know they're robots they don't know like anything that's happened to them is weird right there's a sort of an air of innocence around them uh yes slight slight lack of awareness yeah because like sebastian's got these weird i don't know test things he's doing like he's like sticking a light in her mouth and then like looking at his computer and then he's like running a a black light along her leg and he's looking at his computer and she's just like what are you doing why do you keep doing that (laughs) yeah and that would be annoying well can you imagine a real person if someone started doing that to you'd be like i don't i don't like this at all yeah fair enough but this sex bot, I guess, is from this Albanian mob. I guess they sort of run the sex bot trade. Yeah, classic Albanians. It's kind of weird because it's like looked at as like, it seems to be legal, but they sort of run it like it's some sort of sketchy underground operation. It's, it's very weird. They, they don't make it clear because everyone apparently, sex bots seem to be legal, but there's, I guess it's seen as a bit of a, I don't know, uh, faux pas or something. And, and then clearly there is some sort of illegal aspect to it. I'm not sure what the difference is between illegal sex robots and legal sex robots, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's it's a little unclear. It's it's somewhere between legal and illegal because we'll go to showrooms where we get to look at them and you can clearly buy one. But I guess maybe they're so expensive that no one buys them and you just have this weird outfit who rents them out by the hour. Ugh, you don't want to rent a sex bot. Just like, uh, just like those those uh, sex doll brothels that are opening up in Toronto right now. Is that right? Yeah, they're uh, they're open a bunch. There's like two or three now in Toronto. Oh well, that's something. <laughs> See, it's whatever. It's just like this show. It's all coming true. Yeah, I guess you're right. We'll go to one after the show. There's just something about the, that guy having to leave that building after, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I I worry more about the employees who have to clean up afterward. Oh man! All right, let's not go down that route. <laughs> Why don't they get into those logistics in this show? Uh, could you imagine? Anyway. he's got his old anyways forget it. i'm not gonna say it <laughs> all right as where where are we oh so this is the part where basically it, i wanted to get to the part where the guys spray their faces and so they can't be seen on camera i thought that was really cool yeah the albanians for some reason are monitoring these bots they send out so they seem to have a video feed in this hotel room they see sebastian this uh disgraced sex bot creators running these tests so they send a bunch of guys into the room to like take care of him and yeah they've got this cool spray i believe it's called a flash mask right and so basically what it does is 
you spray yourself and then on the camera on the security camera all you can see is essentially like a glowing face right like it, it it's like a almost like a whiteout for your face but very very vibrant so you can't be seen and i was like i've never seen that before that looked really cool i actually think there is a piece of tech that exists right now that's similar to it oh really it's it's a baseball cap or something that just kind of comes with uh some sort of infrared light under the brim so what it does is it shoots a light over your face and infrared like the camera's pick it up as a glowing thing I, i'm pretty sure i've seen this tech before, like hmm. in reality i don't know if it works as well but right uh but yeah they essentially do this and then they bust into this hotel room because i guess they don't want this sex robot tested and they shoot sebastian dead with uh they don't have a silenced gun they have silenced bullets i wrote this down they have absorb absorption rounds oh everything in the future is so fancy I thought at first they, they were killing the guy because he like took her hair and they're like, no one steals the hair of the robot. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's weird. That's a weird reason to kill someone. But anyways, yeah. So they use those little uh, little uh, silent silent uh, bullets. Silent bullets. They grab the sex robot and before they leave, they uh, roll this little silver ball, like a little bigger than a marble. They roll it across the uh, floor mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of a cool piece of tech. What does it do, Jordan? It sort of just sprays the room with like blue dust. <laughs> I think it's like little nanobots and they like clean yeah. the evidence up. It's a, it's a way to clean the evidence up after the murder. Yeah, that was pretty good. And it makes for a great uh, shot because it just like shoots up and everything starts glowing blue in the scene. It's like a very cool little uh, shot. I think they use it in the opening credits because it's uh, very futury and fun. Yeah, it's like digital confetti. Digital confetti. <laughs> and I mean, that basically sets up our case of the week. Who killed the high-end sex bot designer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, <laughs> I've said it before, but the stakes have never been higher. Well, you got to solve a murder, Jordan. Yeah, I, I I'm not I'm not as big on these sort of like crime of the week sort of things. I know this is like what this seems to be the show's bread and butter. We'll talk about the next episode. I think the show works much better when they get away from the the CSI investigation sort of episodes. Fair enough. I don't mind them. They just give a they give a framework for an episode, and it's a little bit of a detective show this way. Yeah. All right. Um, Kenix and Dorian, of course, have to come down to the hotel for this crime scene. But uh, as they're trying to get into the hotel, they bump into a crowd of kids who are out front. And uh, apparently in the future, which makes a lot of sense, kids love robots. Who wouldn't? I love robots now. Dorian's lighting up his face and all the kids are like clapping and cheering. They, lo- they love to see this robot doing stuff. And it's, it's very funny because Kenix kind of gets jealous, I guess. He, he, he doesn't like that the kids are so excited to see the, the robot cop, but not the real cop. Yeah, so he, uh, as a way to get also get the kids' attention, he's like, hey, kids, what about this? And he takes a knife and just jabs it in his leg, which I guess is, you know, into his obviously mechanical leg to sort of surprise them. But the reaction is the kids don't like it. Yeah, it's a it's a very fun thing because it, it has a lot of buildup, and then he stabs this na- knife into his leg without any context, and just one of the little girls starts screaming. <laughs> and it was it was a funny little funny little scene. It was very fun. I really liked it, and it leads to a little conversation between Dorian and Cadix, where Dorian's just like telling him that kids and animals can sense that he has bad energy, and that's why they don't like him. I think it's one of the stronger things of this show is there are little moments that they sort of intersperse in between uh, some of the major scenes are, I think, some of the scenes that play the best in this show. Anytime they have a fun little scene where they can like do a little bit with the back and forth between these partners, mm-hmm. they kind of snip at each other, or do little jabs is always a lot of fun. Yeah. At any rate, they get up to the hotel room, and it's pretty much cleaned out, so they, they grab the tapes from the hotel monitors, and obviously we can't see the assailants' faces. What they do notice is the sex bot seems to be touching everything on, on her way out of the hotel, and everywhere she touches, she's leaving behind a trail of DNA. And of course, a robot doesn't have DNA. Yeah, she's leaving someone else's DNA. The DNA of a kidnapped woman. So now they have to figure out 
how does a kidnapped woman's DNA end up on a sex bot? Mm-hmm. That's and that's it. That's that's the weird thing of this episode. And they there's a lot of talk of uh, DNA, lots of talk of skin. <laughs> you didn't like this episode very much, did you? No, I, this wasn't one of. Well, no, I should I should say though, we've mentioned this before. We're watching these now in the order uh, they were intended, not the order they aired, and. I had already watched this as the second episode, and I was I was really surprised that they would have aired this as the second episode, because one, I think it's one of the weaker episodes, and also, it's just kind of like, it's just like, it's sex robots, I'm like, guys, this is the second episode you want to air, right into sex robots, but, so I think maybe at the time, my feelings of this were a little worse than, you know, over time, I was like, eh, this wasn't such a bad episode, but at the time, I was like, ugh, I'm gonna hate this show. I mean, it is very funny, uh... We know the broadcaster definitely made some choices when they reordered them. I don't know if this was the strongest second episode. It does feel like one of those really cynical choices where you're like, sex sells, so sex bots is the second episode. Well, that's what it felt like when I watched it. I was like, oh, this is going to be so gross. And there's like, and and the show still has its little problems with they make these kind of somewhat kind of gross jokes and stuff. And this episode just, I just felt like it had a little bit of smirminess to it and I didn't like it very much. Well, we won't get into it much. There is a brief scene where they're talking about this case at the uh, precinct. And the only reason I bring it up is because of what you're talking about is uh, Detective Paul, who is barely a character still, like, how many episodes? Five episodes in? He's barely mm. had any sort of lines or characters. But when they start talking about sex, bot, he, sex bots, he chimes in and he's like, you know, what their, you know what their nickname is, eh? And they're like, what? He's like, bang bots. I'm like, what? Yeah. That's, it's like stuff like that. And then again, there's like at least two or three scenes in this where a character has to act all flustered and nervous because... They're either talking about sex robots or they're near a sex robot. And it's like, oh, I'm nervous because I might have sex with them right now. And it's like, okay, guys, this is stupid. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, what they sort of find when they realize that this kidnapped woman's DNA seems to be on this robot is there's been a string of kidnappings in the city. And they seem to all be related to uh, this case somehow. Kenix even interviews uh, one of the kidnapped woman's kids who, who he's a little boy who kind of witnessed his mother get kidnapped and... He doesn't get a lot of information out of it, a little bit about the car that kidnapped her they'll use to get the case going. But it, it's kind of interesting because they use it as a weird, like, this, this emotional plot they keep throwing through these things. Like, he wants to sh- prove to Cor- Dorian that he's good with kids. So he, like, gives this kid this little toy he has, which is uh, a giraffe that basically is a fully robotic living giraffe. I was like, oh. I, one, I don't know why he had that. But secondly, more importantly, it looked really cool. Like, it was, like, a little toy, and then as soon as, like, the kid starts touching it, it just becomes, like, a little tiny giraffe. I was like, that's really cool looking. It's like the future of Tamagotchi or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, they're sort of building their case, trying to figure out how are these kidnapped women related to the murder of the Sebastian guy. They're not quite sure yet, so they go to interview Sebastian's ex-partner, this man called, this name is amazing, Lorenzo Shaw. Mm-hmm. And they go talk to this uh, ex-partner who's running this sex bot shop, and Kenix goes to interview him, and this is what you're talking about. Like, he gets a little flustered around these robots, and he's just like, what happens to the IP rights now that he's naked? I mean, dead. Yeah, there's just a lot. And there's a, a scene later, too, with uh, the their Q character. I never know what his name is. And he's and it's like the second time in the show that they've had him mention sex bots and be nervous about sex bots. Yeah, it's, it's, it is kind of the running gag of this thing. What, what I found interesting in this sex bot, like, uh, Emporium, where you can go get one, gotta be... 20 different female models, just one male model. Yeah, there's only one. Come on, what about, what about half the population? Hey, <laughs> I, I got a better... They kept calling them sex bots, though. Isn't Prostabot a better name? I mean, I don't know. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> Didn't you suggest to me that you wanted them to be called Robo-Whores? 
You are worse than Detective Paul. Am I? Sorry. Don't worry. It's not. It's not going to be. In the, it's not going to be in the final edit. Oh my god. <laughs> oh man. How many other nicknames did you come up with for them? I have. I have one, but I can't say it. I'll tell you off the air. Just well. Now, now we're teasing the audience. Yeah. It's in the bonus episode. <laughs> All right. I won't make you say it. I, I guess. At any rate, all they really get out of this uh, ex-partner is who uh, who their original number one client was when they were both partners was was this Albanian mob. So Dorian hacks into his contact list and like kind of finds out where the Albanian kind of mob works out of so they can go interview them, I guess, about what's going on with these sex bots, which takes them to this Albanian nightclub and all the police show up and they're sort of testing all the bots who work at this nightclub for human DNA. No luck, though. There's no there's no humans there or no human DNA on any of these robots. Didn't you feel that that club was uh, it was pretty bad for destigmatizing sex bots? It was. Yeah. The other place they went was all like nice and clean look. And then you went to this club. You're like, oh, this is a smarmy little world. Yeah, it's it is weird. It's hard to get a sense of what on earth is going on here. Like, why is it legal? But dealt with maybe that's what people maybe that's what the Albanians niche is. is They make it feel a little a little grosser. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Is, is this is this seem too legitimate for you? Well, don't worry. Come over here. We got a room for you. We've got you covered. Do you, you miss yeah. the old days when it was gross? <laughs> <laughs> but what they manage to find out after this is they get a call from Detective Stahl and she lets them know that they've tracked this car that kidnapped this woman. And the reason they haven't been able to find it so far is the, the car had what they call a tag scrambler. Which essentially, it, what it is is it causes its license plate to constantly change numbers, so it's mm-hmm. hard to tra- harder for all the like constant surveillance in the city to track a car. But they were able to find track it down to the last known location, which is this industrial facility. So Dorian and Kenix drive out there, and this is kind of where they find that sex bot from that opening scene. The sex bot's been like shot in the head and been skinned. Yeah. So what we kind of see is like a robot, what it looks like without skin on it, and it's it's pretty gross. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch it. I'm trying to remember exactly. I remember it was all like, I remember right on because right after this, I think they bring, they bring the robot to um, Mackenzie Rudy. Crook's character, right? Yeah, and he's and I remember there's a lot of him playing with the robot skull, and it's kind of gross. Yeah, he's he's kind of talking about how they shot it through its memory capacity, so they can't really pull anything out of it, and there's no real info they can get. Um, but Rudy kind of gives them a little more information by deducing that uh, if they had pulled all the skin off and the skin had DNA, maybe these robots. Maybe the Albanians are covering these robots in human skin. I guess it gives you that real, <laughs> that real feel on the on the robot you're looking for. It's not as rubbery. <laughs> yeah, it's not as rubbery with the. I don't know what they usually cover robots on, but like Dorian seems like his skin looks pretty real. So I don't know why you need real human skin. It is very odd. I don't really fully get into why they sort of talk maybe about pheromones or like just just the that human touch. I guess is the reason they want to mm-hmm. like do it. And I guess that's part of the reason that Sebastian went bankrupt is their number one client, the Albanians, quit like going to them for supply because they'd come up with a new method. And I guess this is the new method, uh, buying regular sex robots and then putting human skin on them. So I got a question for you now, Luke. So basically, we know at this point, basically what's happening is they're kidnapping ladies, taking their skin and putting them on sex robots, right? Yes. But here's the thing about that. Couldn't there be an easier way, one... I don't know why they have to be women that have to donate their skin. Men, men's skin is the exact same. You could put men's skin on, on these robots. And also, couldn't they just get, like, donations and stuff? Like, can't they just get, like, a small sample and, like, extend the skin and stuff? Like, do you know what I mean? I had this... It seems like a lot of work of, like, kidnapping and killing people, whereas, like, there's got to be other ways to get skin. I had the same question. I felt like in this future with the tech we've seen, like, there's no way you can't just grow skin in a lab. 
Yeah. I'm not sure we can't currently grow skin in a lab. Or like, that's what I mean, like take a small sample for someone who's donated it and then, you know, replicate those cells or something like that. Obviously, I'm a scientist. Um, but uh, yeah, it just it just seemed like one of those things where like if you think about it, you're like, guys, I don't, did anyone stop and talk about this plan? It seems like a lot of work where yeah, you could it, just do it much more easily. It seems like a very crude, inefficient way of gathering skin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But anyways, that's what they've decided to do. But yeah, so that's kind of what they figured out. like, these robots are covered in human skin. So now we've got to figure out where all these kidnapped women have ended up. And from here, we kind of get them back on the case. And there's actually a very, very weird scene where they're sort of driving to the next next spot in the case. Mm-hmm. And Dorian starts talking about how he uh, he's worried about Kenix and his kind of like lack of love life or something. So he set him up a dating profile. Yeah, and they, they, they get uh, more mileage out of this than they probably should. Well... When Kenex is like, why on earth would you set up a dating pile for me? And this is insane. Dorian says it's because he scanned Kenex's testicles and saw they were at full capacity. It's these sort of things that like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the show, I don't know what it is they're going for because it just is like, guy, what? There's like, there's like a lot of conversations about uh, uh, John's genitals so far in the show. Well, it's very funny because Kenix's response to it is he just like turns to me, he's like, what is the matter with you? Which is exactly my response. I'm like, why? What? It's one of those things where like, I guess it's supposed to be funny, but like, could you imagine working with your partner and he's always scanning your testicles? <laughs> it's very weird. And also, I don't think your testicles can go to full capacity. I don't think that's a thing. What is full capacity? I have no idea. I don't <laughs> think that. Why would a robot that say term? that? Your doctor's know. like, you going for your doctor checkup? <laughs> and he's like, Oh, yeah, well, your testicles are at full capacity. I'm like, oh, like, great, good. Oh, good. So uh, I guess I'll go to warp. <laughs> yeah. uh, very weird scene. It keeps going, too. He he makes Kenix describe his, like, the type of woman he'd like to be with. And, of course, Kenix just describes Detective Stahl. Yeah, like, it, just a generic, uh, you know, Burnett. Right. And then, of course, Detective Stahl immediately calls in, and Kenix is all flustered. He's like, oh, the woman I, I'm in love with is just calling, apparently. And us viewers know that they might be feeling something for each other because every episode they've dedicated a good 10 seconds to them having one extended look at each other. Every episode has had, that's all this the show has time for. There's like 85 scenes of people driving in cars, but they want to build this love story. But all they can do is have them glance at each other for a second too long every episode. What more do you need to fall in love? That's it. <laughs> she calls to say they've, they've pulled over this car that had done all the kidnappings. They finally tracked it down. And uh, the Abanian inside happened to have a sex robot with them, also covered in human skin. Mm-hmm. This sex bot is named Vanessa, and they take her back for an interview. Um, this is kind of where we get into the fact that these sex robots are, they're not fully functional. They're not all there. Like, she doesn't know how to respond to questions about where she was made or who owns her. Um, Dorian kind of is like, ask her where she was born. Like, they're trying to, like, phrase it in a different way. They don't seem to understand that they are robots. Also, did, wasn't it odd that they... In the entire interrogation process, they don't try to ever put like maybe more appropriate clothing on her. They yeah. just leave her. They leave her in her like weird lingerie, and it just felt like it was more. Um, there's this weird leering and objectification through the show. Actually, through the people making the show, it's like, hey, she's a sex robot, so should wouldn't she be wearing like Victoria's Secret the whole time? It's like, or you could just put like a top on her while she's getting investigated. It is definitely reflected pretty pretty heavily on the people who made the show. I would say the plot itself, you could probably say, isn't, like, the most obscene we've seen as far as, like, looking at sex and sexuality. But, like, in all the production design, they just, they're just they just filling it with scantily clad women because right. that's what they, they want. Yeah. 
which is not not great not great everybody let's not do that luke it was 2014 it was a different time it was a different time you're right (laughs) we can't hold them responsible yeah anyway vanessa essentially reveals that the albanians had sent her out tonight and that she was probably getting sent out to be murdered she doesn't know that because she's a robot who doesn't know she's a robot but they use this as an excuse to go back and raid the nightclub one more time they don't find anything again except for a, a little microchip that belonged to one of the sex bots. And uh, when they bring it back to Rudy, they're sort of looking at it. And it's it's an older an older microchip. It runs on an older system. But it has a defect that when the software updates, it shoots at a little GPS signal. So that means they would be able to track down where Vanessa came from because the first time she was turned on, her operating system had to update, which sent off a GPS signal. So it kind of leads them to the skin lab. Hmm. And you know what that means? It's time to end the show with a police raid. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it is. It is funny. After we watch, how many? This is episode the fifth one we've watched. Yeah, everyone has had like a police raid at the end. You kind of yeah. They love to end with like guns blaze and run into something. So they they raid the skin lab. They shoot all the Albanians. They they rescue the kidnapped women who aren't yet dead from having all their skin torn off. I'm trying to remember. Wasn't there a scene where the one woman was just like like they find one woman and she's still alive but for some reason they're not just taking her skin they're also like sucking the juice out of her <laughs> like wasn't it like it was all weird i was like what are they doing they're also taking her bodily fluids like it i wasn't sure i think the tubes going into their necks when they're kind of laying in those beds i think they're keeping them like sedated or in like comas or something oh i thought she was getting all shrivelly. Uh, well, I mean, the shrivelly part i think is where they've harvested skin off of her and that's just like her muscle underneath oh oh well it's gross. Listen, this skin lab, gross place. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> and it probably smells bad, right? It was more sterile than I would have expected. And so this is the part where pretty much the episode's done. They've saved the day. And then is this where John goes, they like go for this emotional uh, thing from like a couple episodes ago. And I was like, who cares about this? Well, that's it. As we've seen in these episodes, really, they like to end the show once the plot's wrapped with an extended scene wrapping up kind of the emotional arcs they wanted for the characters. Dorian actually has to go with uh, Vanessa, the bot they brought in to interview, and they can't keep any robots alive that are covered in human skin, so she has to be deactivated, and they, like, bring her to this place and drill a hole in the back of her neck and, like, put her in this, like, MRI kind of machine and basically wipe her, and Dorian kind of has this moment where he deals with his own mortality, and as we've seen earlier in the episode, Kenix, I guess, is dealing with mortality, but also children? Those seem to be the two, like, weird emotional arcs he's going through. Which I, I, they didn't invest any time to. No, it doesn't quite click, but the show ends with him basically going back to his dead partner's family to, he never saw them after the raid where he died, so he wants to go get closure on that, I guess. Mm -hmm. So he goes and visits this family we know nothing about and like walks in on this like teenage son and the first thing he says to the son is like, I want to talk to you about your father. And I'm like, who are you? I know, it was just, it was that weird thing of like, I know what they were going for, but it's it's just so odd to have done this now without ever it's it's something like like they're cashing in on some emotions they set up on episode one that i've already forgot about by episode five and i mean i think even if this aired second i don't think it really lands we never have talked about his partner i wasn't even really aware that guy was his partner no i wasn't either they definitely are trying to make these emotional connections with the audience they're they're just not landing very well you know as we've you know we're probably almost halfway through this series what this show does well it it does well very well like some of the technology and some of the um interplay between some of the characters they do really well and actually some of the actual plots and um stuff like that are pretty good but then other things are just so clunky and it becomes a weird 
the episode how good it is kind of depends on how heavy they lead on one one end or the other yeah you brought it up earlier and i just want to get back into it really quickly again this really is essentially the plot to your favorite episode of tech war I mean, in that, it was a, a VR prostitute, and what they'd done is kidnapped a woman and put her brain into the VR to run the thing. And in this one, it's a robot, but they're kidnapping women to put their skin on. It, it, it is almost an identical plot to that Tech War episode. Yeah, and, and neither one earned the emotional uh, end that they went for. Remember, remember, remember uh, uh, Jake had his hand and he they held the hand together and, and all that. And I really and it really did it for me. <laughs> I do remember that, except that they immediately counteracted that by making him a sleazebag. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot he was always a sleazebag. You imagined an ending that you thought you'd like a lot for that episode that wasn't the actual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> And then you gave it the highest score you've ever given. A yeah, I gave, I, I gave it like a 17 out of 10. <laughs> you love that episode so much. Yeah. What was it? What was it called? Like, like Kara's dream or something? What was it? Oh, Kara's room or Kara's room or something. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, that's that episode. So let's go into episode. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Episode six slash three. Great. So here's the NDB summary for episode three. Are you receiving? He doesn't want the tech. That doesn't make sense. Why take hostages and negotiate for tech you don't want? Maybe it's a diversion. Yeah, but for what? Are there any targets of value in the adjacent buildings? The only target of any value is a precious metal way station specializing in palladium. It's a heist. Palladium. That would make all this worthwhile. A gang of criminals tries to get their demands by taking some hostages, but it turns out this was a, just a diversion to take away police attention from the real crime. Palladium robbery. That summary was courtesy of Raj. Raj, you really ruined the whole uh, surprise of that episode. Raj just lays it out for you. I, I don't have to spoil anything because Raj already did. Thanks a lot, Raj. But we were talking really briefly about this last night, Luke, which, uh, you know, we're not supposed to talk about the episode when, uh, in, our, in our normal lives. And I'd mentioned to you that this essentially is Die Hard, this episode. Yeah, it's a Die Hard episode. Like, not not only is the plot diehard, but they even have, like, a guy crawling through vents in it. Like, it's just it's just diehard. So if you like diehard, you'll like this episode. And you know what? I kind of did. I did, too. Um, it starts off, actually, in uh, Kenix's fancy loft. We kind of get to see how he starts his day. He has an amazing apartment, by the way. Oh, beautiful. Like, have we talked about it? I'm like, there's no way he affords this apartment on his uh, police salary, unless police salaries have just skyrocketed. This is a real television apartment. This is a real friend yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what it is. He's got like this, like his whole wall is just like a beautiful, like just windows to the city. And anyways. What I liked is when his alarm went off in the morning. It's it's basically a regular alarm clock that sits on your night, your nightstand. Mm -hmm. But when it goes off, it just shoots a redundant hologram in front of it that also shows the time. I know. Why would it ever do that? It's not saving any any space, which is assume what all the, what the, all the technology in this show has really been. Everything's very small and sleek and, you know, doesn't actually take up any real estate. But that was just like a normal clock. It just projects another clock. It's like, that's stupid. And well, you try to hit the snoozer off button. You don't hit the clock. You have to run your hand through the hologram five or six times. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. But, but I did like in this scene, this is the first time we get to see him without his leg. It's true. He gets up, he puts on his leg. It's still a little bit squeaky, so he, uh, calling back to that uh, plot line we never thought we'd hear back again, he put some olive oil on it. Mm -hmm. Hey, weren't you disappointed, though, that it doesn't stay blue when it's on? His leg? Yeah. I know, I didn't notice. Yeah, his leg is blue when it's off, and then he puts it on, and it becomes, like, flesh-colored again. 
Oh, I missed that. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I wanted it to say blue. It looks cooler. Anyways, I mean, he's he's never he's never wearing short, so it doesn't matter. But you know, you know what I kind of liked about this scene is uh, you rarely get to see how a character just starts their day. Like, what's their morning routine? Yeah, I suppose that's true. I want to know what more characters' morning routines are. Who has coffee? Who jumps in the shower first? I don't know. I don't know how it would work to the plot line, but that'd be some interesting episode to this show. If, like, all the characters, you saw them all start their day. I guess it would have to be something about... The plot would have to have something to do with that. But that would be an interesting thing to see, I guess. You could, you know, compare and contrast. Like, what does the robot do? We've never seen what... Like, does he go to sleep? Good question. You know what I want to know? Remember Galactica 1980? What was Mm -hmm. Troy and Dylan's morning like? Where did they sleep? (laughs) I think they wake up, and they've been outside... And then they have to look for one of the children that have gone missing in the night that like a, wo- a wolf has taken away. They're like you know? sheepdogs. They like bring them all back together in one yeah. place. Yeah. And then now that they have them all together, like, all right, guys, we're off again. <laughs> you guys just do your thing. Eat Great. pine cones. Now, uh, what about Sid from Tech War? What was his morning like? <laughs> donuts. Do- donuts and coffee. Honestly, I could do this all day, but we'll move on. <laughs> no, this is a- let's do this as a segment of some other episode. We talk about all the characters in their morning. What can you kind? imagine just for hours <laughs> i honestly probably could something about like what a character does when they wake up i was watching this i'm like oh i could watch the morning routine of any character apparently well if you like the character you'd watch this stuff but can you imagine us seeing the morning of um uh, uh the robot not the robot the uh like genetically modified detective it's so boring like we don't know anything about her i don't know what her morning's like she probably eats a non-fat yogurt that's it <laughs> We know she's rich. She probably has an even nicer place than door than a. Oh uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. Anyway, let, let's move on. We we, we could do this all day, apparently. Yeah. So what we're getting we get into after that with a l- tiny little cold open, little character thing. We get into the actual plot. One thing I just wanted to say here is before the plot kicks off, they head out and we see them in another driving scene as they always are. But what's happening is they are headed to work. Like essentially, Kenix has picked up Dorian and they're driving to work. And I have a real question here. Where does Dorian live? Well, I mean, that's that's what we're that's what we kind of mentioned slightly earlier. Yeah, does he have a house? Because he's been just woken up, right? So like, I, did, they, did the police also find him an apartment? Does he need an apartment? Does he just live at the police department? Well, let's think. I would assume the robots live at the police department. They don't need a space. But he picked him up, and they're driving to work together. Where? does dorian live i have a feeling now i'm i'm saying this i have not watched any of the other episodes i have a feeling there's got to be at least one dorian centric episode where we just learn about all this stuff about his life yeah because i honestly up till now would have just assumed he goes to work and dorian's just sitting at his desk (laughs) that's kind of sad isn't it he's a robot what else does he need (laughs) i guess yeah he doesn't need a bed he doesn't need like a kitchen well he could have like a nice like bachelor apartment Yes, yeah. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe there's, like, buildings for robots that are just, like, closets they walk into. Yeah. <laughs> they just decorate the closet different ways. Now that I think about it, I, I believe that's the plot line to a Futurama episode. Is that? Oh, I don't remember, but sure. Um, we'll, we'll move on into the actual plot of this episode where uh, terrorists have taken over an office building and... Uh, Man, oh, man, it's a dire start. It even starts off with them walking into the lobby and, like, shooting a security guard at the front desk, just mm-hmm. like Die Hard starts. Yeah, this is exactly like Die Hard. It's kind of amazing. Uh, Kenix and Dorian are on their way to work, so they get the call, and they're the first to arrive. And as uh, SWAT starts to surround the building, they decide they're going to walk up the 25 flights of stairs to get to where the hostages are being held. At this point, though, I was hoping this was actually going to be more like Dread, and it was just going to be... Uh, 
uh, Carl Urban having to redo the same role, where it's just like he's got to get to the top of the building to get the bad guy. But it wasn't quite that. Wasn't quite that. I did appreciate, and I don't know why, but you would think that they're like, okay, we'll go up the stairs and we'll get there. But they walk up the stairs in real time in this episode. Yes, yeah, true. Every time we check back in with them, they're always like, well, we're on floor eight. Oh, floor 12 now. I think this was, this is one of the episodes I liked more, and I thought the pacing was really good. And it's also, it took a little step away from the procedural kind of CSI kind of episodes. And this is just like, a, I guess it's just like an action episode. What, what would you call this? Yeah, uh, the plot's very simple. I mean, there is a crime happening, but they're not having to investigate anything. They're just t- having to go take care of it. Yeah. Detective uh, Maldonado calls in and sort of tells them not to go upstairs. But, you know, since they're renegades, they're like, nah, we're, we'll take care of it. You just deal with negotiating with those terrorists. And, and Kenix tells her to, like, shut down the comms for, like, the three-block radius. Like, that. apparently you can, like, shut down radio communication for, like, three blocks of a city. Yeah, which is which is a handy uh, police technique to, to so that they can't uh, yeah speak to anyone. And once they once the three blocks is jammed out, kind of I, maybe maybe a flaw for Dorian. He doesn't seem to mind. Any nine one one calls that happen in this area now all bounce straight to Dorian. So he's just yeah. like taking calls. That was weird. I mean, it was so they could do a fun little thing where he does different accents and different voices for reasons. But uh, it it does seem like a weird thing that that's what would happen. He would take all of the, the calls. I guess so. He's the only police computer in the area. I did like it, though. He, like, talks in a, as a Portuguese lady to somebody. He talks in Dorian's voice to make fun of him. Yeah. And they end up talking to one of the hostages who's being held upstairs. And they kind of get some intel from her as they go along. But uh, none of it's overly important. It's just kind of their eyes into what's happening upstairs. And it's someone to, for them to talk to as the episode goes on. It's always back and forth. And so because they're never in the same room as the action that's happening, it's just a way for us know, to, to keep them there. involved. Yeah. And the terrorists upstairs where this woman's watching, they they kill one of the hostages and throw him through a window with a note on his chest for the cops that says, stay out. And uh, I I like this because there's some very good dummy work of this Mm -hmm. dummy falling from a window. It looked good. And then when they show the aftermath of the corpse hitting the ground, a really gross broken ankle. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice that. It's like ankles at like a really weird angle. (laughs) Yeah. So do we have you said what the uh, the terrorists have asked for? They're asking for a fission igniter yes captain mildonado sends a drone up to the 25th floor and like shoots a cell phone into the window so that they can communicate with these uh terrorists and they basically yeah they just want this fusion igniter because essentially these terrorists uh their leader is played by um did you ever watch justified yeah yeah it's he's it's a character actor damon harriman yeah he plays dewey on justified the uh the dumb white supremacist <laughs> he's he plays actually do you want to know something funny about him in uh i think it's this year he is playing Charles Manson in two separate projects. Oh, right. He's doing the Tarantino one and then another one, right? He's doing Mindhunter. He's playing uh, Tarant- uh, He's playing Charles Manson in both that have nothing to do with each other. He just happened to be cast as Charles Manson twice. Fincher and Tarantino, they have the same taste. Yeah, I guess. So God bless him. I can't think of another actor. I mean, he's a good actor. So, um, And he's very um, muted in this role. It's not the kind of role you'd think he'd be in. Yeah, he can definitely go over the top, and I, I was happy to see him. I like him as an actor, so it's kind of fun to see him pop up in a very pointless role. But Well, his character is called Lucas Vincent, and he's part of the Holy Reclamation Army. Yes, he's a member of the Holy Reclamation Army, a, a group of anti-Western terrorists who have a history of, of like taking hostages. They, they've recently took an embassy in New Tokyo to get some of their comrades released. But they're, they're known to be fair. Once you meet their demands, they usually let the hostages go. Did you love New Tokyo? I did like the idea of New Tokyo. I wanted to know more. 
we'll never know i'm sure but it's always no. nice to hear like oh new tokyo what, yeah. what was tech war new cuba oh that's right yeah yeah it was something like that it was just it was just right beside can't remember if that was tech war or harsh realm but one of them had a new cube <laughs> i think it was tech war <laughs> um anyway they're trying to get this fusion this what was it called a few oh I thought it was a fission igniter. Yes, you're right, a fission igniter. And it, it's basically uh, a trigger that you'd use to set off a megaton-level explosive device. Not good is, is really all you need to know. Not good. But we go back to the staircase, and uh, one of the terrorists happens to spot Kenix and Dorian on the 18th floor, and they, they have a bit of a shootout. Dorian takes a bullet to the brain. It looked great, though. I guess it was a ricochet. It bounces off his head, and we get to go into his like head, and it's like yeah, full of robo circuits. I, I don't know if I've seen it this way before. I kind of I like the look of it. It has like you could see all the little like you're right like circuits and like little I guess wires and cables, but it's all purple for whatever reason. The inside of these robots are purple. Yeah, it's like I I, I wrote down it's like fifty shades of purple in this robot's head. Yeah, they describe them or Dorian describes what's happening in his head as tendons, and they actually really do kind of look like tendons. They're they're. Mm-hmm like kind of muscly looking and essentially one of them the the magenta colored one he tells uh he tells kenix has been damaged and he needs him to fix it and uh what does kenix use to attempt to fix the robot's brain he uses uh nail clippers i don't know why he had those on him but he did he has nail clippers a filthy q-tip he finds in a garbage can right i think he's finding this in this office that's where he got the nail clippers and uh a used piece of chewing gum yeah which is funny because yeah he's he you know he's going through it and does he cuts the wrong wire the first time right yeah he he he's starting to use it and Dorian's quite upset he's like those are filthy don't you dare put those in my head and uh, he immediately shoves the Q-tip in and Dorian just turns off he like breaks Dorian immediately yeah oh but um what was the other robot remember we had discussed this before in a previous episode Dorian as per most robots knows how to fix himself what were we watching where the robot didn't know how to fix themselves I. Was it Quester? I think it was Tech War. Mm, I don't know if it was. Was it? Was it? Was the robot there on that? He couldn't. Didn't know how to fix himself. I believe it was because there was that one episode where they were all the robots were on the run and they didn't know how to diagnose what was wrong with themselves. That's right. You're right. It was a functionality that wasn't turned on or something, and that's why they were like slaves to the man. Right. But in this, he knows how to fix himself. As per what we we've come to know about robots, is they always know how to fix themselves. Jordan's preference is they better know how to fix themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Dorian ends up getting up and running again because uh, Kenix isn't a total disaster. He does he does fix the problem, and we get Dorian back pretty quickly. He's a, he's not at full capacity, but he's back. And they manage to shoot one of the terrorists in this shootout. So they they start investigating this dead terrorist. And what do they find on his chest, Jordan? Oh, uh, they find. Let me hold on. I wrote it down. Like there's a little circuit thing, and they start playing with it, and suddenly the guy's face zaps, and it's a different face, and they're like, "Oh, he has a face maker on." Yes, a face maker, it, which it, is the same as a morph mask. Morph mask from Techwar. I thought the same thing, and this is kind of it's a little bit like uh, something they wear in their chest. I guess it looks a little bit like a necklace around your around your chest area that just I guess shoots up a hologram on your face. Yeah, I guess I guess the idea is it shoots up a three dimensional hologram that covers your face, so you can't. People can't see what your face actually looks like, which, again, is pretty cool technology. I'm going to say, though, I think that Morph Mask in Tech War, which was kind of just a mask you pulled on that kind of had mocap spots on it that built a face, I think that was better tech. You think so? I like that technology better than the technology here. I think Tech War actually had a better idea. <laughs> well, somehow both of them are able to uh, change your uh, the actual shape of your head and your voice. So, But both get an A-plus for me. Both very good technologies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And it turns out the guy under the morph, or this is not morph mask, the face maker, he's actually just a run-of-mill armed robber. Turns out these aren't terrorists. These are just guys who are just robbers, just like doing this as a as a, as a cover, I guess. And I, I actually really like this. This was the one turn I didn't expect. So it made me, I, I was really pleased with that, that the idea, what we learn here is that these people are not actually who they're pretending to be and they want the police to think they're this holy reclamation army and they're all wearing these fake faces because they're actually doing something else and this is just a diversion, which I didn't see coming and I and I thought, kudos, guys, that that was pretty good. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting, on the body too, they find another piece of tech, which is it's kind of like a little plastic button, little see-through red plastic button with the word start on it. Mm-hmm. And at first they don't know what it is, but they eventually sort of say, because all the communications blacked out and these robbers were planning on the communication being blacked out. It's some sort of direct communication device where you need direct line of sight, but if you point it at something, you'll be able to communicate, I guess, with the other crew they're working with. It's almost like flashing, like a high-tech version of like flashing a, a flashlight to someone. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, did they use it in the episode? I know they talked about it, but I don't know if I ever saw it functioning. No, because they never got to. The point was at the very end... It was their way out that they never got to use, that they were all going to sort of flash to each other and where they were going to go. But no, we never saw it, which was kind of weird because at the end they're like, oh, it's all these things. I'm like, oh, we, we never saw them. I know they set it up and I was just like, I'm curious how this weird little tech's going to work. And then I never got to see it. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's the plot. Like they can't get to use it or they win. But I, I was weird. I was, I was like, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see how this weird start little circle works. But I didn't get to. Mm-hmm. Maybe a future episode. Unfortunately for Dorian Kennex, one of the terrorists slash criminals got away during their gunfight. And he gets up there and kind of warns everyone up top in the hostage taking that cops are in the building. The criminals have just gotten their fission trigger, which is actually a replica that Rudy's made because they can't get a real fission trigger. That's that's military grade. Yeah. So he, he makes one that's close enough that they don't know the difference. And of course, it doesn't matter because they never intended to use it. Like, it's just a distraction. So... They don't know it's fake. Doesn't matter to them whether it is or not. They were just needing it to like buy themselves time because across the street, this other crew is essentially robbing this palladium vault, some sort of like precious metal vault. Yeah. Do they say what they were actually taking? Uh, 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 palladium. Oh, okay. Uh, I guess that's it, worth a lot. It's worth all this this effort. It's worth all this effort. And because they knew the police were going to jam the comp signals, they knew the alarm wasn't going to go off in this palladium vault. And hence, this is this is all actually a pretty well executed plan. Fake terrorists, shut down three blocks, rob the building across the street. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Dorian Kennix, though, they're still on the 17th floor and things are falling apart because the hostage takers have what they want. They're getting ready to escape. They're actually building a little flash bomb to kill all of the hostages to cover their exit, basically. Mm-hmm. And they really have to hurry up if they're going to get to their hostage. So uh, Dorian does what he has to to get to that floor faster. He pulls a Galactica 1980. Well, he he doesn't quite, but he he does some fast robot climbing up the ropes of the um of the elevator. But I was hoping they would do that like backwards jumping slow mo thing that they did in Galactica nineteen eighty. Yeah, he pulls up the elevator doors and leaves Kennex behind because he has got to get up there quickly. So he very fastly. It's kind of a cool shot where he climbs these elevator cables. He gets into an air vent, and then once he's in the air vent, he sort of busts through the ceiling and goes Rambo on all these terrorists or criminals. It's a cool sequence. He basically shoots like five, six guys before he get he gets shot himself. Yeah, he eventually gets gunned down. I mean, we know Dorian's a pretty good bullet sponge, but I guess there's only so many bullets you can take. <laughs> That's a terrible nickname for someone. <laughs> I mean, he's so good at getting shot. It sounds like something they'd say on like Fox News about like the children in some sort of school shooting. 
Oh. No? Cut cut that? Oh, man. Dark. That's so dark. Yeah, that's Fox News. They love stuff like that. Uh, At any rate, um, Dorian's shot down, and uh, thankfully his his trusty partner shows up. He's put on that little uh, face, uh, that that mask maker, that face maker. So he looks like one of these terrorists and he walks in. They're like, oh, where have you been? And then Dorian or sorry, Kenix just shoots the rest of the terrorists dead. So I, I guess those things are just easy to use, huh? Yeah, just toss them on. That's it. Plug and play, my friend. So yeah, so bad guys caught, bomb defused. A real round of applause for everyone. Yeah, Dorian defuses the bomb. Kenix calls down because he's realized it's, it's all a cover for a heist now. So he tells them to turn off the jamming signals. We cut to the heist across the street and like, with the jam gone, the alarms go off and the uh, vault doors slam shut and they've caught both criminals. And that, and that was that. I really liked the episode. I thought it was fun. And it kind of wraps up with uh, Dorian still a little injured and Rudy wants to take care of him. But, uh, but Kenix is just like, not now, Rudy. I'm taking my partner out for noodles. Yeah. It's kind of just to show like their partnership is now solidified, I guess, that, that they've, they've faced life and death together and uh, yeah. they've both been good. So and, and that was it. And those were the two episodes. It's uh, it was a fun episode. I, I had a great time. It was there's not a lot of plot. It was a very like simple episode, but it gave a lot of time for character moments and it gave a lot of time for these partners, which are the best part of the show. These partners sort of interplay. I think that's maybe what I liked about this. It it gave more time to the things that the show does well and less time to the stuff I don't care about. Yeah. Good action. Good back and forth between the partners. It's a funny, fun partnership. And uh, uh, simple. Like, it didn't get bogged down in anything. It's just, like, straightforward. Yeah. Little little side note here, Jordan. What was John Kennix's middle name? Oh, uh, yeah. They have a little quick scene where uh, you find out he's talking to the lady on the phone. And he's sort of sort of trying to calm her down he gives this whole story and you find out that his middle name is reginald who he's named after an old-time singer uh who is elton john um and i was like it just seemed like one of those like it's the same thing they did in um space above beyond where they're like didn't know who batman was i guarantee in 2048 people will still know who elton john is absolutely but it ends it ends with them singing an elton john song it was benny and the jets which i liked yeah dorian gets to sing benny the jets although for a robot he's not very like in tune (laughs) Well, you, you think he would just be able to do Elton John's voice. I know. That's what I assumed he would do as well, but yeah. I guess I couldn't license it. <laughs> or even better, he puts a face, one of those face mask things on, and he just becomes Elton John. Oh, what a cameo. Yeah, I know. Oh, well, op- missed opportunity, guys. Next reboot of Tech War. All right, Jordan, you want to uh, you want to wrap this up and give some ratings? Yeah. So I liked the second episode much better than the first one. So the first one, I, I don't know why. It just didn't do it for me. I'm only going to give it a 6.5. 6.5. You know what? Skin, that first episode, you had pre-warned me that it was going to be kind of gross. It wasn't as bad as I thought. It, like, we've definitely seen shows deal with these subject matters kind of in grosser ways, I felt like. But even going through it with you, there's still like... It's still problematic. It's 2014. The way it deals with stuff is still so problematic that, you know what? It's actually lowered my rating. I'm going to give it a four. Oh, how has this happened? How do I like things less than you and I still give it a higher score? I, I don't know. Good question. And then uh, the second episode, are you receiving uh, Almost Humans Die Hard? I'm going to give this one an eight. I really liked it. I agree. I don't think it's a perfect episode, but it's almost a perfect episode of this show, I think. Oh, I, I, th- I think this is the best the show can get. I agree. I'm also giving it an eight. Nice. I like when we agree. Me too. I also like when you give those fours. It feels, real, <laughs> feels real, like a real sledgehammer. <laughs> get out of here with that shit yeah <laughs> that's your new catchphrase <laughs> i'll never remember it 
I, for, for a minute, I thought that's what that homeless... Remember I was telling you that homeless guy said to me yesterday or a couple days ago? Oh, right. But it wasn't that. What did he say to you, Jordan? Everyone wants to know. <laughs> I was walking down the street and a homeless gentleman stopped me to tell me something. And when I took my earphones out, he told me that my face looked like a dirty diaper. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, thank you very much, sir. And I put my headphones on and continued walking. I know many of you only know us from the sound of our voices, but... Now you know what Jordan looks like. <laughs> I look like a dirty diaper. I really like that. It's the first time I've ever had that uh, told to me. I mean, very rarely in our lives do we get to hear that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, All right. Let's wrap this up. Uh, if you have any comments or thoughts about Almost Human or uh, what a dirty diaper looks like on a human face, you can email <laughs> us at continuedrag at gmail.com. And of course, on Instagram, we'll probably have the inside of a robot's head, maybe a morph mask or two, or not a oh, morph yeah, mask. Absolutely. Or- a face something yeah it's a face face maker there you go face maker morph mask is a better name it is a better name i'm telling you that tech where nailed that hit that out of the park mm-hmm. you can follow us on instagram and twitter at continuum drag um and i guess that about wraps up so jordan um i guess uh get out of here with that shit <laughs> that's a nice way to end all right see you man bye Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Ruxiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>